Thank you to our sponsor for season two, Punto Space. The contemporary raw space combines capacity with intimacy. Four distinct spaces on three levels encompass more than 3,500 square feet. Custom configurations, a state-of-the-art audio-visual system, and full-service support provide endless possibilities for realizing your creative vision. Welcome to Currency Shift, the podcast where we showcase and share insights from first, only, and the disruptive. These are people who are creating new lanes and carving new paths for women, people of color, and diversity and inclusion. My name is Sade Simone. Let's get started. All right, we have Reese in the house. <laughs> Cheers to you. Cheers. Take a little sip. It's good, right? Yes, that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No problem. It's my favorite, so hopefully I can get them as a sponsor. Uh, but yes, I love champagne because we're celebrating first only and disruptive. And you, my dear, are doing uh, the first uh, women's boxing club in New York on the uh, east side of Harlem, as well as you're disrupting that whole industry. So thank you for being a guest. Thank you for having me. Uh, would you do us a favor and tell us a little bit about what you're doing currently? Well, currently at Women's World of Boxing, um, I am doing everything I can to teach all the girls and the, the women in the community uh, how to box, how to um, prepare for the fight inside the ring and out. And uh, it's it's an amazing, amazing thing that we're doing over there. Yes, I appreciate it so much because I feel like in those communities, it's really important for women to kind of get fit, especially in our community, but then also to learn how to protect yourselves. So I imagine you didn't come out the womb ready to box, right? Actually, I did. Oh, really? oh let's, let's take your way back. This is a good story, guys. I really want to hear this now. So it's like when you were younger, what were your childhood aspirations? Oh, my goodness. Uh, to ride my skateboard <laughs> without falling and scraping up my knees and my elbows. Uh, when I was younger, I was always very, um, I was an independent thinker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time just with my thoughts. I was a creative, you know, one of those creative kids. I would have my sketchbook and my skateboard and, you know, just be all over the place and just dreaming and thinking and drawing and, you know, just seeing my future. Um, I, I actually was very much into the arts as a child. So that was my thing. I was very passionate about creating and making things and taking things apart to see how they work and then putting them, putting them back together. Mm -hmm. So in hindsight, when I look at it now, after I've like built my gym, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, now I understand. <laughs> like, I get it. Everything was preparing me for this, you know. And, and where were you born and raised? I'm a Jersey girl, born and raised in Jersey. Jersey strong, out in the burbs. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And uh, yeah, middle child, total middle child syndrome. It's a real thing. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, I had a, yeah, yeah, it was kind of cool where I grew up. All right, so you were a child, you were very um, creative, but then you also like to take things apart, which shows a little bit of your analytical side. So how did you get from your, like, what was the next step after childhood? You figure out that, hey, I enjoy taking things apart. I like my skateboard. I like drawing. I like being a creative. What was the next step after that? 
Uh, for me, it was trying to, one, get my independence. Like, I was, that was my main thing. Um, I remember my father told me, he said, don't be in such a hurry to start working. He mm-hmm. said, because once you start, you won't stop until you retire. And I'm like, oh, psh, whatever. You know, what I mean? <laughs> you know how we are. And uh, I was like, no, no, I want my own money because I want to, you know, I want to buy this camera. I want to do this thing. And, you know, we were raised, you want something, you earn it. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to work for it. You work for it, you earn it, you're going to appreciate it more, you know. So I come from, you know, yeah. that, that, that type of upbringing. So for me, it was, okay, let me get a job because I know art is my thing. Mm-hmm. I know that I like to take pictures. So now I have to figure out what I have to do and able to afford to do the thing that I want to do. That was my mindset very early on. So, you know, 14, let me get this job, this summer job, so I can save my money and buy my first camera. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was kind of my thing. And it was always, let me prepare. Let me One, let me figure out what I like, what I want to do. You yes. know what I mean? I was always like that as a child. And then it was, okay, let me figure out what I need to do to get the tools that I need to do the thing that I want to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that was a big part of it. It's like after high school, uh, went to art school because that, you know, that was it. And this is all in Jersey. It was school. all in Jersey. Okay. Yeah, everything was in Jersey. And um, it was about just seeking out and creating, you know, like seeing mm-hmm. things differently and doing things um, according to me. You yeah. know, everything everything in my life has always been according to me and how I see it. I wasn't a clicky kid. Like, I was a kid who kind of flowed in all the little packs. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? I never belonged to one group. It's like I, I was just kind of cool with everybody, and everybody was cool with me because they were like, oh, you know, whatever. She's kind of yeah. cool. She's, <laughs> you know, she's chubbed out and everything. You know, she's she's kind of cool. She's not, you know, we don't hate her. We don't, you know, she's cool. We going to leave her alone, you know? So that mm-hmm. was kind of just my thing. Like, I never felt the desire to fit in to any particular group. As a child early on, I was always intrigued by all the different kind of packs. You know, that's how I saw kids like, oh, here the jocks over here and here, yeah. you know, the, you know, and I was just always intrigued on just how they interacted and what drew them together and what kept them together. And so I've always been just a student of people mm-hmm. at a very young age. I just study people and, you know, just behavior. Mm-hmm. And just always very inquisitive. Just I like to know how things work. I like to know how people work. I like to know what makes something tick, you know, and what makes it stop, you know. So that was really just my my outlook on everything since I was a child. Yeah, I like the fact that you you really focused on yourself first. That's something that Oprah talks about and other people as well. But you guys know I love Oprah. But she talks about you know knowing yourself. And really figuring out who you are first before you do anything, because then everything will fall into place. It's crucial. It's crucial because especially, you know, growing up as a child, you have your parents telling you who they want you to be. Mm. You know what I mean? Your family, they're looking, oh, well, she's good at this or she's good at that. And so you're like, okay, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. And it's like, no. I really need to look within and figure out what makes me happy. Oh, say that again. No, it's really, it's important because... We're so, if we don't establish that foundation within ourselves, if we don't know who we are, then the rest of the world telling us to be all these different people and putting all these filters and trying to make us look like different people, that's how we lose ourselves. And that's how you do not find yourself. When you know who you are, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what anybody says, what they think, how they would, no, because you know, mm-mm. 
you want to meet me, this is this is who I am. This is where I am. You want to come with me, you can walk beside me, maybe. If I like <laughs> you. You know what I'm saying? But yes, 100%. Maybe. <laughs> so how did you journey from, from Jersey and art school? Like, where did you... Well, let me ask this differently. So where did you go after that? So you've you figured out who you are, for yeah. the most part, at this age. You've gone to art school. You're noticing how people interact in different groups. What was the next step? For me, um, working. Mm-hmm. Like, even though just coming from Jersey and being out in the burbs, I, I was always intrigued by New York. I just felt that things happen here. You know, things that happened here in New York that didn't happen any other place. I felt that the people who make things happen were here. Like, I love where I come from. I love the neighborhood. I love, you know, the, the green. I love that there's deer in my parents' backyard. Like, I love that. You know, yeah. when I need to get away from the city, that's where I go. Um, but I knew that whatever the vision and the drive and, you know, the ambition that I had, that I could not go anywhere there with it. So for me, it's like when I got out of school, it was like, no, I, could, I, need, to, I need to work. I need to, I need to work. When I was in high school, work-study program, I was like, okay, I'm into art. I'm into design. I'm into photography. I know when I start freelance and I get a client, I need to know how much it's going to cost for my clients to get my designs printed. Let me go work at a print shop. I'm going to learn how to work the printer. And this is big. I mean, yeah, way print back shop. Yeah. Heidelberg Press. I'm like, listen, <laughs> you got to teach me. I know it's a family business and, you know, you guys are Italian and I'm not. But you yeah. got to let me work for you and teach me how to run this press. Teach me how to do these things so I know how they work. So I know when it comes down to my designs, if this is the the, the fee that I'm telling my client, I know that I'm going to have to pay you this much to print my design. Mm -hmm. So I need to learn this process so I can say, okay, I can arrive at this fee for my client. So one, I know I can make a profit off of this and still do good work and do a good design and still pay my printer. So that was, you know, a part of that whole like, okay, wait, I got to figure out how it works Mm -hmm. so I can figure out how I can actually you know, profit from this, benefit from this, and, you know, move forward and build and grow. So that was the thing. It was just like, okay, let me, I got to grind. I got to work. I got to, you know, I got to find a job. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you came to New York for that? Or? I came to New York. Okay. My first publishing job uh, was in New York, actually in Soho. And it was just ground level. And it was, okay, this is an opportunity we have. Do you want it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you know how to do these things? Absolutely. No, I didn't. But they didn't know <laughs> that. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, I can learn anything. Like, anybody asks you, do you know how to do it? Absolutely. Yes, I can do it. Yes. Now they wise up. Now they test people. They be like, okay, what? <laughs> <laughs> you have to interview like five, six times for a job. They be like, yeah. nah, we need you to come in. Don't you send this in. We need to see you do it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, back then it was like, yes, yes, I know how to do it. Yes, yeah. And then you would go back and I would learn. Okay, if I don't know how to do this, I got to figure this out real quick. So um, that was the beginning for me, like just my my job in publishing and just getting in and learning as much as I could. Mm-hmm. And I, it was important to me to learn all the jobs, not just my job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, learning all the jobs, the copy editor, the managing editor, uh, the editor-in-chief. It's like production, um, to learn all of these jobs, to learn the flow and learn how to work together and to learn how those people work mm-hmm. because everyone works differently, you know. So that was huge for me and just learning, okay, how can I do my job the best? Because art was my thing. I loved it. So I wanted to know as much as I could about how to do it well and how to please the people that I was working with because I wanted to do more of it. 
Yes, yes, yes. That's that's really good because it, it kind of makes me think about my own career. Like all the companies that I've worked for, I always try to learn, okay, if I'm on the sales side, what do the account managers do? What do the coordinators do? Like I want to understand the full circle, the full cycle, excuse me, of like taking it from selling to it actually airing or being published. And it, it helps a lot within my career. So I, for those who are listening, really, really learn the business side of how whatever company or whatever industry you're in, but also focus on the numbers. Y'all always have to follow the numbers. So speaking of following the numbers, like how did you end up here? Essentially like opening up your own women's boxing club. Yeah, I, you know, how did I end up here? <laughs> Well, publishing can take a toll on you. <laughs> you know, that corporate environment, it yes. can have you, like, just questioning everything. <laughs> what like, is life? Yeah, like, what? Like, is this my life? <laughs> like, what? Um, yeah, yeah. I worked in publishing for a long time. And um, I had arrived. It was very fortunate, very fortunate to, you know, live my dream and do all the things and you know, buy the house and the cars and do, just do all that. You know, the things that they tell you, okay, these, this is what you're supposed to grow up and do. And uh, it was that, okay, I guess I'm grown up because I have the job, I have the title, I'm a creative director, I have, you know, all this knowledge, all this experience, all these things. Yeah, the things. But I didn't have myself, mm. you know. Talk and, about that. Um, yeah, it was, it became, for me, life, be, had be, and I'm a very lively person. I'm like, you know, like, yes. I'm just happy to be here, you know. <laughs> And uh, I realized that my life felt very empty. I had all these things, but I felt so lost and I felt very numb. And I didn't care about those things. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't care about anything. I would get up, go to the office, design my magazines. I used to design hair, beauty, fitness, travel magazines, and that was my thing. And it had become so robotic Mm-hmm. I had just, okay, I know what I need. I know the little, I know the minimum I need to do to get the job done. So let me do that and just put in my time and then go home and do whatever and then wake up and do the same thing the next day. And I I think at that point, I was always chubbed out like my whole life. But I think at that point I was about 220 pounds. Mm-hmm. And um, in my mind, I'm 6'2", but, you know, in actuality, <laughs> I'm only 5'4". So, you know, I was kind of carrying a little weight. And uh, I was really sad. Mm-hmm. Like, I was really, like, just my core was sad. And um, I I knew that the thing that I once loved, the thing that I was once passionate about, the art, the design, the, that I no longer cared about. Mm. And that's when I felt like, okay, I feel like I'm slipping. Because the things that once gave me life, that just brought me so much joy, I don't care about them. Yeah. I don't care about them. I don't care about doing them. I don't care about the result. And for me, it's like everything I do has got. I mean, it's got to be right. Mm-hmm. It's got to be pretty, you know. And um, I no longer care. And I'm like, wow, I'm walking through this life, this thing called my life, and I don't care about anything. And uh, it was one day I was in the office and I was just like looking around. I'm like, yo, this sucks. Like, this cannot <laughs> be my life. Like, yeah. you know, the doctor's like, you're going to have high blood pressure. You're going to have this. You're going to have a heart attack. All this. And he's like, you're going to die before you're 40 because of just how you're living. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, this cannot be my life. I can't believe that I was put on this earth to just do this because I don't feel anything. And I'm still yeah. here. So I got to figure out. 
where I am. I got to find myself, figure out where I am, what I want to do, what brings me joy, and I got to do that thing or else I'm not going to survive or live the life that I feel somewhere deep inside of me I'm supposed to be living. And I, I like that you're saying that you had to reevaluate yourself, like what you want, what you care about, and what essentially makes you happy. Because it sounds like in the beginning, like from when you were young all the way through high school to the early part of your career, you knew exactly what you wanted to do. You knew exactly how to do it and the process. But you talk really, really intently about something that most people don't recognize is that as you continue to grow and as you continue to have experiences, your wants and your needs and who you are evolve. Absolutely. And they should. should. And if yeah. they don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem all Come in Come see me. Come see me if they don't. <laughs> I'll help. <laughs> so it sounds like this was one of the, the pivotal points within your life where you really just sat down and was like, I have to do something about it. What was the something that you did? I left the office and I went for a walk. Mm-hmm. Like I just got up. I left. I just walked out. And I went for a walk. And because I knew I needed to be in a different environment, you Mm -hmm. know, and uh, I just went for a walk and I actually just arrived in this boxing gym because on that walk I was, you know, I was having conversations with myself, which I often do, you know, and just talk like, listen, we this is this is our day one, like wherever it is, wherever we find ourselves, we have to train. We have tomorrow has to be different from today. So on this walk, you're going to find something that's going to make your tomorrow different from today. And I just, I was walking, walking, and I looked up and I saw this sign for a boxing gym. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, let me go and see what it's about. So I went in, and it was the smelliest, like (laughs) dirtiest, like just most uninviting, like just tense environment. As soon as I walked in, it was almost like the music stopped. And the guy's just like, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, snap. Like, they're, and they all just stopped looking at me. And then I, you know, of course, pan the room. I'm like, oh, there are no women in here. Mm. And I said, oh, well, maybe this is just, you know, just the guy's gym. Like, women aren't allowed here. And I was actually kind of frozen, like, in fear. Because then you figure I was very, very sad, battling depression. I was 220 pounds. I didn't, I was, I was lost, mm-hmm. you know? And I didn't have the courage and the strength and the voice and, you know, all the things that I have now. And I just froze there in the door. And they're just hitting the bags and, you know, like grunting and all these things. And I heard this voice off to the side. And uh, the woman said, you're fat and you're here, so you may as well sign up. (laughs) What? Oh, (laughs) Jesus. I said, dear Lord. (laughs) But she (laughs) Yes, if she she just you know she hurt my feelings because you know I still had some somewhere, and but she kind of snapped me out of it. And yeah. when I heard the words that she said, like once I got out of my feelings, I said she's right, and mm-hmm. I've always believed that everything happens for a reason. And I said she's right. I'm here. I said so. I'm gonna sign up and I'm gonna give it thirty days. I'm gonna see what happens. I'm gonna see how I feel. See if I can figure something out. You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I signed up. And that was the beginning of my, I won't even say self-discovery. That was the beginning of my healing. I had a lot of things that I needed to heal within myself. I had a lot of things that I needed to face within myself. And boxing, you go into a boxing gym, you go into my gym, there are mirrors everywhere. Mm-hmm. Because you need to see yourself. It takes courage. 
to really, really arrive at a place where you know you're not, you know, you know you're not living your best life, yeah. and we all know the different reasons why. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And to be able to look in the mirror and really, really look at yourself and look at the person who's looking back at you, that is the most courageous thing that anybody could do. And it took me a long time to do that. I was not able to do that when I first started boxing. And um, so once I was, that's when I discovered, oh, wait a second. For me, this isn't just about boxing. Mm -hmm. This isn't just about me dealing with these guys every day and their comments and them hating on me simply because I'm a woman and hearing them every day, you don't belong here because this is a man's world. Women don't belong in, you know, Mm -hmm. boxing gyms. Women don't belong here. All these things, hearing these things every day. For me, they just motivated me even more. The fact that my simple presence, just me trying to fight for my life and figure out who I am and who I want to be and where I want to go and where I want to do made them so uncomfortable. That inner fighter in me found some enjoyment out of that. And I would go back every day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I like that I'm here building myself. And that makes you uncomfortable because I'm doing it in your house. I kind of like that. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started. That was like my training. That was the beginning of, okay, wait, let me figure out who I am. I need to figure out what I want. My trainer, I had to train him how to train me. When I signed up, the manager took me over. Oh, this is your trainer. This is who you're going to be working with. He's like, I got to train this girl. That's exactly right. Like, And I'm like, wow, okay, this is going to be tough, man. I had to deal with her. You know, call me fat as soon as I walk in the door now. You know, and he's like, all right, you know, go over there and get your fat ass on the treadmill. And I'm like, okay, I guess I got to do what he tells me to do. You know, it's that whole somebody tells you something. You, he's he's my coach now. I got to listen to him. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, what? I don't know, we don't know you. What you? You know? Yeah. But being in that mindset, it's like, okay, I guess I have to just do what I'm told to do. So I would go get on the treadmill, on the treadmill for an hour. I'll never forget. I was 220 pounds. It took me a good 22 minutes and like 18 seconds to run my first mile. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Mm-hmm. You know, for me that was like major. Like, wow, I didn't think I could do it. Yeah. Anybody else be like, oh, my time, I'd, please, I'm just happy that I could do that. You can I completed it. it. Yeah. So that was every day. He'd see me, oh, just go get on a treadmill. This happened for like two weeks. Because mm-hmm. I was just, I was like, I'm not going to say anything. It's just guys in here. I'm going to listen to this guy because uh, this is the person I'm supposed to listen to, mm-hmm. you know? So during those two weeks, I, w- I watched everything. I watched everybody. I watched all the training. I watched every, all the different styles of training. I watched just how they communicate with everybody. I watch how they wrap their hands. I study everything. I'm a student of everyone and everything. I know nothing, so I study everyone and everything. Mm-hmm. And after that second week, I went and I didn't even go check in with him because I was like, oh, you go check in with your trainer. He'll tell you what to do. Okay. Didn't even go check in with him. Went straight to the treadmill. Mm-hmm. I got my mile in, made my best time. I wrapped my hands. I did everything. I went over to him with my gloves. And he, <sighs> mm-hmm. And he's like, you still here? Yes, I am. Go get your fat ass on the treadmill. No, no, no. Yeah. I've already, You've already done that. Yes. What's next? I said, so now, I said, today is going to be the day that you begin to train me. Because for the past two weeks, I've watched you train all these guys. I've watched you teach, all, I've watched you teach them all these things that I know I can do. Mm-hmm. And I could probably make them really pretty. And today is going to be day one that you teach me how to do all these things. I was like, and if you need to see me as a fighter and not see me as a woman, then that's how you see me, to teach me what you know, because I'm not leaving. I'm yeah. coming back. Yeah. And it was in that moment where I felt like, 
oh, this is this is what I need to do. Mm-hmm. I need to, one, figure out what I want, and then I need to com- communicate with other people what I want. That's so Because important. I can't just yeah. assume that he's there to do a job, that he's going to do that job for me. Mm. You know what I mean? So that was like me putting the pieces together. You cannot make assumptions. You mm-hmm. cannot assume that somebody cares about you. You cannot assume that they know that you may be at your do or die moment where you're either gonna you're making these decisions, you're gonna be here or not. They don't know that. They're not basing anything off of what they're doing based on who you are or your past. They don't know. Right. So for me, it was like, oh, I have to communicate. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know my struggles. He he doesn't care. He didn't care anyway. But you know yeah. what I mean. <laughs> but it's like he could he couldn't care less anyway. But it was that moment where I realized, wait. We can't assume that people know our fight. We're all fighting for something. We're right. all fighting through things, you know? We cannot assume that we know. Or we cannot assume that this person is in a healthy place. Mm-hmm. Most of us aren't. You right. know what I mean? So it was like, oh, wait, Reese, you have to speak up. You have to have that courage and speak up. You know what I mean? And. For me, that was a day, like, after training, I would go home and cry every day because they would just try to break my spirit because they never wanted me to come back. And um, that was a day that I had, you know, self-talk, conversations with myself, and I made a promise to my inner child Mm -hmm. that I would always speak up for her. You feel me? Mm -hmm. Um, I would never allow her to remain in a place that made her uncomfortable or be surrounded by people that made her uncomfortable. Mm. You know what I mean? And that was my day one of becoming a protector of me, which people have to learn how to do. You know, before I was just out there and open, and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just supposed to be out here and open and let people say and do what they want and hurt me because they love me or they're my friends or they're my boss. No, I'm going to, the same way I had to train my trainer how to train me, Mm -hmm. I'm going to train you how to love me. I'm going to train you how to be my friend. I'm going to teach you through how I, how I treat you how to treat me. And if you can't do that, then you can't be in my corner. Right. You know, so that was the beginning of me putting my pieces together. Trained every day. I'd go to the office, do my thing, grind up my magazines, go to the gym. Every day. It was the only place that made me feel like a person. It was the only place. And it was the, and it's really interesting when I look back on it because every day I had to Deal with these guys. Call me all kinds of names. Every, I mean, they were creative. So I was like, wow. You, see, <laughs> what? you know what I mean? Like sometimes on the inside, yeah. I'd be like, yo, man. <laughs> like what? <laughs> but every day I would go back because it was the place where I found myself. Mm-hmm. I found myself in like <laughs> the most like daunting environment, yeah. like the most unwelcome place. But that's where I found myself. And I was addicted to that. I was addicted to feeling strong. I was addicted to learning all the cool things that I could do with my body. Mm -hmm. I was addicted to feeling my strength and my power. I was addicted to the courage that I felt. And -hmm. it didn't matter to me that those guys didn't did what they said. After after a while, I was like, oh, my God, that was good. Did you stay up all night thinking about that (laughs) one? Like, what? You know what I mean? It became that for me. And it was just like, yo, I'm not here for you. Mm -hmm. I'm not here for you. So when... Over time, I trained and trained and trained. I'm like, where are the women? Because I had gone through so many changes. Like, mm-hmm. I, I found myself. I lost so much weight. I didn't even realize because I still wore the same size clothes. Yeah. People thought I was sick. I was like, no. I'm like, I'm living my best life right now. Yeah. Like, I figured it out. Like, I figured 
me out. And once you figure yourself out, then everything else is like, is like clarity, clarity, clarity. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I'm like, no, I'm great. My parents are like, no, we got to take her to get checked out. <laughs> I'm like, no, like this is it. And I'm like, wait, where are the women? Like, I got to share this with more women because I see them in the street. Mm-hmm. I used to be one of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I see them walking. I see all the stuff that they're carrying. Sometimes I feel it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they need to be here. But then I would see, okay, one woman would come. Next thing I know, I see a trainer bent over backwards trying to t- just trying to teach her. Up. You don't need to touch her to teach her how to yeah. throw a punch. You don't need to lean on her. Why are you laying on her back trying to teach her an uppercut? Like, mm-hmm. And, of course, she would leave. You know what I mean? So it was a lot of unprofessional just behavior. Mm-hmm. It's like, you. I mean, the it was crazy. I'm like, you know, women, they're not going to stay here. And for me, it was like, I, I have to do something. I have to figure out how to teach women and get women in here so that they can really reap all the all the rewards that I have yes. because I figured myself out. And I'm like, I got to figure out a way to do it. So it was like, let me study, let me train. Let me. And I was like, I got to teach them. And I'm like, okay, in order for me to teach them here, I got to fight everybody in here like 20 times over to earn their respect, to basically get the space to bring these women in so that I, when I promise them, no, you're going to be comfortable. Yeah. That's a true promise. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like in doing that, I was like, no, I, I'm, I'm about to shake up everybody's world mm-hmm. because to them, their world is a man's world. So now you have this woman who's been in the gym for two, three years training every day, and now she thinks she's going to bring other women in here. We just got used to her being here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like we just got to a place where she may be on a, you know, on a certain day. She may be one of the guys, you know, mm-hmm. and now she's going to start bringing other women in here doing what we do. Mm-hmm. We're not going to allow that. So that was like a whole nother like, OK, this is that next level. OK, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like that fight. Figure out who I am, like find my voice, find my courage, find my purpose. You know, mm-hmm. now it's like, okay, all these fights that you got to fight while you're doing all these things, that's to prepare you for this next fight. Because now you're going to have to fight all these people who don't want you here, and they don't want the women you're bringing here, and they damn sure don't want you doing the job that they're doing on the floor. Right. You know, so that was like the next level. And uh, when I started, I started a Saturday morning, um, and I started with two women, and I was like, listen. Because they were like, you're boxing? I'm like, yes, I'm boxing. I was like, I can train you. I'm like, I know. I'm studying. I've done the thing. I've been trained. I got it. And I said, if you guys want to, you know, train with me, I will train you for free. Like, cause you, and this is in the same environment. This is in the, okay. same, the same gym. The same gym that I started boxing. That's the gym that I started training. That's the gym that I started my boxing club in 2007. And mm-hmm. that's the gym where I started building my business. So um, I started with two women. Saturday morning, they're like, yeah, Reese, like, we're with you. Trained them for free. And I was still, of course, I had my career in publishing. And then it was like, okay, wait, well, you know, this is great. You think maybe we could train, you know, one day during the week? And I'm like, well, sure. What can we do in the morning? Sure. I still live in Jersey out in the Burbs. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. (laughs) I I never say no. You know what I mean? It's like people say, she won't say no. And I'm like, absolutely. Just, yeah. What time? Okay. Okay. Sick. What? Okay. I'm like, that means I got to get up at three, catch that first train out of, you know. Yeah. Out of Jersey. Yeah. Out of Jersey, New Jersey transit. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not a sure thing. And I'm like, yeah, like, absolutely. So then it was like, okay, I got to get up at three, got to go train them, then go to the office, do my job, then, you know, go to the gym, train myself. Because I, mm-hmm. I have to learn, I have to maintain, I, I feel great. It was, hey, Reese, you think we could add another day? 
Absolutely. You say, oh, all right, we, can we add an evening? Sure. We have a couple of friends from the office. Do you think we... Let's do it. Mm-hmm. I always said yes, you know? And quickly, I would have my Saturday morning class, I would have 30 women in that class. Mm. And the male trainers would be sitting on the bench looking looking at me like, is she for real? Yeah. <laughs> and I look at them like, yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> Very much so. So it it grew. Mm-hmm. And it grew through word of mouth. People were like, oh, we're who? You know, who are you doing? No, it's, it's them. I'm, it's them. So it it became, my life became that, managing mm-hmm. my career and realizing, oh, wait, I think I figured out what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And now I have to figure out how to do it and just do that so I can just focus on that, you know, because I know if I can put my focus on that, then I can do anything, you know. So it was, all right, when I would go to the office, publishing office, I would designate. They would have four hours of my time. Four hours, that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they'd be like, <laughs> if they only knew, right, they'd be like, well, we play in your ass all day. I'm like, nah, y'all get four hours. The rest <laughs> of the time is designated for me to build my business. That's where I have to work on my website. I got it because I design, you know, my yeah. art background. I do everything. So I was like, no, I got to work on my plan. I got to do, like, I got to, I got that's for my business. That's for building my brand. And it became that. And I arrived at this place where I'm like, okay, wait, like, I need to make my list. I need to make a list for myself to make sure that this is it. And it was my, my where am I most happiest list? What mm-hmm. am I most happiest doing? Where am I unhappy? What am I, what am I unhappy doing? I literally made those lists. Yes. And everything went back to the boxing gym. How did I feel working with people? I loved it. I love new beginnings. Mm-hmm. I love learning from people. I love sharing what I know. So everything was, and it just helped me just really like just narrow it down and zone in. I'm like, okay, this is what I got to do. I got to open up the first women's boxing gym in New York City. And I'm going to call it Women's World of Boxing because for years, day after day, all I heard was this is a man's world and you don't belong here. Fine, I'll open up my own world. Mm-hmm. And you're going to come and ask me for a job. And I'm going to say, no, no, no. This is Women's World of Boxing. <laughs> I like that. And so it didn't happen overnight. This is Nothing like does. this is like years. years. How many years? I started my boxing club in 2007. So it has been a very long time. <laughs> yes. A long time. It, but it's good, though, because there's a common theme here, and that's you finding yourself first. Absolutely. And then uh, figuring out what makes you the happiest and then moving forward from there. Absolutely. So the core of everything that you've accomplished is always self first. Always. Which is something that's important for the listeners because a lot of people, they go into careers, they go into all these things, and it's not their self first. It's everything else first. It's my parents told me this is what I'm supposed to do. This is society told me this is how I'm supposed to be. So then it takes them even longer to really realize, you know what, this is not what's making me happy. Exactly. Right. So it sounds like everything was moving in the right direction. So when you're doing your business, you're launching it, you have the attendees, you have the members, but as you move forward with opening up your own club, essentially, how did you manage your mental health? Um, I trained a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it, when I left publishing, when I decided to just go 100% in, for me, that was um, definitely time that I needed because managing my career and building the business was 
mentally, physically, spiritually exhausting. Mm-hmm. So deciding and being at peace with my career and walking away from it and starting something new um, was a major um, relief for me. Uh, I never had any doubts. And I guess that's why I've, I I just found a place of peace when mm-hmm. I finally walked away. When you know it's time to go, it's like it, there's no it's it's more of a celebration than you know a sadness that comes with it. You know, yeah. there's anxiety because you really don't know what's coming, but there's a peace that comes with it. When mm-hmm. you're at peace with the decisions you make and you know why, you know that it's in your best interest. There's so much mental peace that comes with that. You know, so that was a big part of it for me. Um, training, maintaining my training is major. When I don't train, like now, it, it's it been very, very challenging now because what happens is you say you want to do something, right? Like, yeah, I went over to the first women's boxing gym, you know, in New York City, yeah. And I'm like, oh, but wait, I got to run it? <laughs> <laughs> like, like yeah. oh, there's, there's nobody else to, you know, run it? There's, oh, so that's a whole nother level. And that's what I'm experiencing lately. And um, as far as the mental health, like I am, because I'm so in tune with myself and having so much responsibility mm-hmm. on me as the coach who trains everybody, as some people's therapist, as the the plumber, as, you know, the person who does the marketing. Mm-hmm. The admin. I'm a one person operation. And when you have a brick and mortar, there are things that happen all the time. And for me, um it's interesting that I'm here with you now doing my first podcast interview because in regards to my mental health, I started listening to podcasts mm. um, because that's what I have time for. You yeah. know, I can listen and, and I can still work and I can still work, you know, um, but it is it's very, very important. I have experienced the entrepreneur fatigue. I have experienced mm-hmm. the, produ- the, the the entrepreneur depression, all mm. of it. And what I have what I'm learning is the importance of one talking about it that's really really important to me when you meet me you're not going to be like oh well you look different on instagram you're going to be like <laughs> you know what i mean it's yeah. like that's me like i have no filter i want like when you saw me in the street you're like yeah. hey, Reese. i'm like yeah <laughs> you know what i mean um i am consistent with who i am mm-hmm. you know what i mean i am very open with you can ask me anything you want. I'm I'm not a closed book. It's very important to me, even now, like I guess becoming this entrepreneur, um, that I'm very open and clear and sharing with this experience with people because a lot of people think, Oh, you got your own business, oh you dollars down. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. That's not how it works. And you know, I don't for me it's important that I let you know I miss out on a lot of life. Mm-hmm. There are prices to pay for your dreams coming true. That that's just that's that is the truth. I have found that out. I miss out on all the important events in my family, which means everything to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like things that you would never think of because you have your life prior to. Yeah. But now you have this thing that has its own life and it provides this space for so many people that you have to keep running and you're a part of that thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, yo, I didn't, what? I mean, I started with two women. I know it was going to be like that, <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> so it's like I talk about it. It's like when things break, a pipe bursts in the middle of my class, I have 20 women there, there's water pouring out of ceilings. 
I'm going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to talk about how hard it, I'm going to talk about it when Con Ed shows up at the door and they're like, yo, Reese. I'm like, yo, listen, you know, <laughs> can we talk? These yeah. are real things. And it's like, I don't want people, I wish somebody would tell me, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, I don't want people to see like, oh, oh, they see the people with the cars and the money. And the, yeah, you know what? That's great for them. But small business, startups. Mm-hmm. No, it's that's not the picture that I, I I have to be clear on that. That is not the picture you will see me paint. No, because that's not real it's for not. me. Talk about it. People showing up out of nowhere for inspections, like what? Like <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, but I got a class. They're like, we don't care. Like we're from yeah. the, we're here to inspect. Okay, all right. Well, let yeah. me put you know that hat on, and you know we'll go do the thing. You know, and it's 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 challenging when you have. You know your your business, your pocket, and it may just be you, but mm-hmm. people think you have a team. Oh no, it's just me. Exactly, all exactly. Me. It's all you. It's all you. And people on the other side, because you do such a great job at what you do, they don't know that it's just you. Mm-hmm. You know, they well, can you send someone from your team? No, <laughs> like what? I am the team. <laughs> I am the team. Like what are you talking about? Like what? <laughs> so for me, it is very very important that I talk about all those things, you know, because people need to know. Yeah, and that's one of the, the big aspects of the podcast as well as the company that I have. It's it's shining a light on how everyone handles the mental health aspect of everything because I think it's really important for the next generation coming up or the people who are heavy on social media. They're seeing all the glitz and the glory, but I think it's important for them to know there's a dark side too Yes, that the light has to shine on so that you know exactly what you're walking into and what you're getting into. Yes. So speaking of like social media, one of the big focal points of the podcast is social currency. So social currency is building social networks to gain access, influence, resources, and networking in the digital space that affects a person online and offline, right? So you have a healthy Instagram, you have a healthy LinkedIn, you have Twitter, you have all of these platforms that you use, and your IG, over 1,500 followers. So my question for you is, in what ways has social media influenced or empowered you or your company? Uh, social media definitely has, um, it's empowered the gym a lot. Uh, my personal with the followers, I only did that just for my personal because I needed to separate my person from my business, mm. uh, which I felt for me was important. Yeah. You know, um, I have had people reach out to me through social media, which was fascinating to me. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this is how people communicate now. I am guilty of it. That's yeah, how I got exactly. on the show. <laughs> I had to leave some comments, it, yeah, exactly. some DMs. And, <laughs> I had to like from two different profiles. <laughs> That's how you get me, okay? It's like you can either do all that or you can just show up at the gym. Because I'm the easiest person to find but the hardest person to reach. You feel me? Yeah. So it, it's amazing to me because I don't, again, because I'm that one person, I don't remember to check all those things. Mm-hmm. And people tell me, oh, well, you have to you have to respond to the comments and you have to do this. And I'm, and I'm like, no, I have to pay the rent and keep the lights on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's like for me, that's that's been a challenge, actually. And um, it's but I, I I've learned and, and discovered how important it is to maintain it mm-hmm. and to maintain that connection, you know, um, and thinking broader, you yeah. know, and, and that's a big part of it for me. It's like I didn't realize the reach for social media 
you know, until I think I did the Reebok campaign and people were hitting me up from all over the world. Yes. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's, that's okay. I think I see the power in this and, and the reach, mm-hmm. you know. And for me, it was definitely have more people coming into the gym. They, oh, I saw you live on Instagram or, you know, I follow your Instagram. I watch your videos or this. And I'm like, it's amazing. These are people that I would not have been able to reach, mm-hmm. you know, without, you know, the social media, you know. Um, it is... It's bittersweet, you mm-hmm. know. It becomes bitter when people are so mean. Yeah. And it's like the part of me that I'm just like I don't I don't read the comments, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I just don't. It's for me personally. I never do even with the business. I don't read reviews. I don't because for me I feel like it's easy for people who don't know you, who don't see you, mm-hmm. and you don't see them for them to be mean. Yeah. You know, and, and there's so many you know reasons for people and just their behavior, and I just I don't understand it. You know, mm-hmm. so for me, I don't read it. I feel like if I read it, that means I open myself up to it mm-hmm. because I'm going to react to it. Yeah, I'm going to have an emotional reaction to it, and I don't want to. I don't have time for that. I gotta go clean the toilets. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like I. For me, it's like I'm not giving anyone that power to alter my mood mm-hmm. at any point throughout my day. So it's like I don't. If it's good, then come find me. Like tell me it's good. I give you a hug. You know, I teach mm-hmm. you how to fight. You know, but it's like all the other stuff. I I don't do it. And people yeah. tell me it's important what oh, you have to. And I'm like, I get it. But for me, it's more important that women come to my gym. If they post, that's great. It's important to me that they come and they have a good experience, that yeah. they learn something, and that they share. I'm going to leave that to them, you know? And I think that's a balance that a lot of business owners have to have because I see a lot of celebrities and, like, a lot of um, – celebrations around a strong clap back, like being nasty back to somebody. And I don't, I don't agree with that. No. Like, I think there's already enough of that in the world right now. And like, if somebody's leaving a negative com- comment, it's not a reflection of you, it's a reflection of them. Like exactly. something that they're struggling with that exactly. that they don't understand and they haven't tapped into, or as my therapist say, unpacked, you know? Exactly. And so for me, like even on my pages, I always respond to the positive stuff or like the positive DMs. Um, but anything that's negative, I always ignore that because, like you said, it affects you emotionally. It does. It you does. Know? Now, with everything that you've learned from your childhood, from being the middle child and growing <laughs> up in Jersey, all the way to the 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 learning portion of life where you were kind of lost and and trying to figure yourself out to going to the gym to realizing okay this is what makes me happy I'm going to open the first gym for women all the way to like where you are now what advice would you place on a post-it on your desk for yourself just one piece of advice the piece of advice for myself that I would post on a post-it Mm-hmm. would be take it one round at a time. Take it one round at a time. Explain. One task, one idea, one goal, one thing at a time. Whether that goal is to figure out who you are, then that that's number one. That's a task. There are a thousand things to do every day. It becomes overwhelming. Uh, women, mothers, sisters, daughters, entrepreneurs at work, all these things. It's so much. One round at a time. Never, I never be, I learned 
to never beat myself up over the things I didn't, I didn't get to do. God willing, I'll see another day. Maybe I'll get to it tomorrow, one round at a time. I'm not going to put the pressure of a 12-round fight on my head mm. every day. I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to give thanks that mm-hmm. my eyes are open to see another day. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I could do something to make somebody smile, make somebody feel they're strong, and I'm going to take each round one round at a time and feel good about it. That's really important, one round at a time. Yeah. I appreciate that. So now we're coming to the part. This is the speed round. <laughs> so take a sip if you need to. I was to. just about to say, I don't <laughs> even know. Like <laughs> this, is, this is a speed round. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a few questions. Right. And whatever is the first thing that comes to mind, just like let it out. All right, you ready? Are you ready? Yeah, let me take a sip. Yeah, I might need that bottle. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the first question. What gets you out of bed? The grace of God. What's your favorite band, artist, or group? Oh. Band, artist? Aretha Aretha Franklin is my favorite artist. What's your favorite drink? Right now, the champagne. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Role models. Role models. I, you know, I can't. Yeah, like that one thing. It's like no, I have to think about everything. (laughs) (laughs) Role models. For me, role models are people who just come from struggle and they rise up. I like that luxury item. Yeah, I am an entrepreneur. You know that. By, <laughs> by. <laughs> However you want to define it, luxury item. Oh, wow. Luxury item. I would have to say uh, my spin brush toothbrush. I paid a lot of money for that. <laughs> <laughs> Health yeah. is wealth. I appreciate Health that. Health is wealth, yes. Favorite food? Red velvet cupcakes. Oh, that's very specific. Oh, yeah. See? (laughs) Red velvet cupcakes. Yes. All right. Favorite country to visit? Cape Town. Best way to give back? To give from my heart. Retirement place. What? Retirement? Yeah. What's, Retirement what's that? <laughs> <laughs> Ideally. <laughs> uh, right now, today, I would say Aruba. Aruba. Like, yes, just to be there. All right, cartoon. Bugs Bunny. Drama. People. <laughs> <laughs> Comedy. Life. And the last question is, what is happiness? Happiness is doing what you love, regardless of what other people want you to do. I like that. That's so true. Yeah. Is there anything you would like the listeners to know? Uh, Yeah, I would. I would like the listeners to know that just because they've been living their lives how they've been living them, it doesn't mean that that's all there is to their life. Mm. 
I think it's important that people know that. Yeah. You know? I, I like that. Say that one more time for the people. I think I've had too much champagne, and I don't <laughs> think that I can. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, I think she's done. I think. <laughs> I hope you got it, because that's, yeah. <laughs> Just hit rewind, folks. Just, just just hit rewind. Just hit rewind. Don't give me champagne. <laughs> All right, Reese Scott, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being on the show. This was tons of fun. Thank you for having uh, me. Let the listeners know the best way for them to follow you. Uh, follow me uh, at the gym at www.boxnyc. Uh, our website, www.box.nyc. Our Twitter, at www.box.nyc. To follow me personally, every now and then, you know, I leave some personal stuff on my IG. It is at Reese Lynn Scott. And, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Don't call me. Don't text me. <laughs> don't email. If you DM, it may take about 20 times to find me. If you really want to contact me, just come to the gym, 2147 2nd Avenue at 110th, next to Ricardo's. Please, my people, come before you go for drinks at Ricardo's. Don't come after because you guys kill me coming in all saucy. I want a box, coach. No, you don't. No, you don't. Right next to Ricardo, <laughs> El Barrio, come see me, come say hi. All right. All right. Thank you for being on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you to our sponsor for season two, Punto Space. The contemporary raw space combines capacity with intimacy. Four distinct spaces on three levels encompass more than 3,500 square feet. Custom configurations, a state-of-the-art audiovisual system, and full-service support provide endless possibilities for realizing your creative vision. Thank you for joining the conversation. To learn more about Currency Shift, go to currencyshiftnow.com. If you feel as though you fit the criteria as the first, the only, or the disruptive, send us an email, info at currencyshiftnow.com. Until next time, keep pushing, stay motivated, and stay encouraged.